everybody welcome back to the hit factor today on deck we got jason bradley chad stanton area four director and myself jeff coffin so we're going to be uh, hitting hitting chad with some questions and that will make up today's episode so to start it off uh chad you want to like give us a little bio That'd be cool. A shooting bio. Shooting bio. Sure. Uh, I've only been shooting for about 10 years, I guess. Um, Roughly 10 years. Only been taking it seriously for probably six or seven, somewhere around there. Before, you know, first couple of years, just kind of figuring out what I'm doing. and uh, If I really wanted to get into it, spend the money everybody knows it gets addicting and then spend this buy that you know money 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 so uh started shooting in production and then went to single stack for a little bit shot limited for a little while back to production now or actually shot carry optics for a little bit uh probably about five six months then yeah. back production so I'm gonna say you've shot everything but L10 revolver, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, shot yeah. open for about three months. Yeah, that was, that, was an, that was an experience. I feel like there for a <laughs> while, uh, every time I saw you, you were shooting a different division. Yeah, you shot single yeah, stacks right. and production limited, and then you got that open gun. Yeah, you've actually yeah, changed not- more than I have. It sounds like. <laughs> Change divisions, not guns. Well, you also I've, did it over. Had this, I've had the same guns, but just went to different divisions. Plus, you did that over 10 years, and I've done it over three. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, Chad, you were area or uh, Arkansas, excuse me, Oklahoma section coordinator. How'd you get into that? Uh, the how'd, you, previous... how'd you get duped into that? Yeah, <laughs> that's basically <laughs> how that went. Uh, the, the previous uh, section coordinator was Mike Pinto, and um, I think he did it for a couple years, and he needed an assistant, and he asked me to do it just because I ran the local matches here at USSA. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit on running matches and the rules and all that type of stuff. Uh so I said I'll be his assistant. Wasn't expecting to really do anything or get that deep into it. Uh, then whoever the Area 4 director was at the time ended up resigning. And so Pinto stepped up and took over the Area 4 job. So that made me have to step up and take into the Oklahoma Section Coordinator job. How long so, you do that for? At least four years, I think. Wow. Right about four years. Gotcha. Wow. And that's kind of, tell, tell us how you got, became area four director. I mean, how'd that work about? Uh, Pinto was basically just leaving the position. Um, you know, he had some stuff come up, so he was leaving the position and then, uh, it seemed kind of interesting at the time to, you know, see what that position did. So I talked with him a little bit about it. And, um, really wasn't anybody jumping at the opportunity uh, to do that. So seemed like a pretty good fit just coming from the section uh, coordinator. Uh, try to get a little bit more involved, help out a little bit more. So it seemed like a good fit. So we'll see how it goes two months or a month in. So, see what happens. Yeah. Man. Well, you're a good you, – you ran Oklahoma section really well. All the matches you put on are run really well. They're good matches, good stages. Uh, everything runs well. So, I think you're going to do a good job as Area 4 coordinator. <clears throat> um, so, you mind if we just jump right into some of these questions? No, let's do it. Um, 
Well, let me ask another question real quick. So you're, you know, you're the area coordinator, but you're also a shooter who wants to shoot and who wants to get better and all that stuff. So what are you going to shoot next year? What division? 2020. This uh, year, I mean. I'm going to stick with production this year. Okay. Yeah. And you, you got a bunch of matches you're going to, you plan on attending? Uh, I have, I think I have about 10 or 11 that I'm hoping to attend. So 10 or 11. Wow. Stepping it up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I didn't get to shoot hardly at all this past season um, due to family obligations and stuff like that. Uh, right. So this year, yeah, trying to hit it a little bit harder, um, shoot some more matches, travel a little bit more, different places that I haven't been, uh, that type of thing. So this may be hard for you to distinguish or to separate, but when you're looking for a match to go shoot as a shooter, what what do you look for in a match? Is it I mean because it, it could just be as simple as I got t- time and, and this one's close or I want to go to this area. But is there anything you like you look you know you look for as a shooter? I most of the time I just listen to reputation. I mean reputation of the match. I mean we've shooting for almost ten years. You know got to know quite a few people so it's pretty easy to to reach out to somebody and say hey you shot this match how was it is it worth going to is it worth the time you know spend the money travel but some people oh yeah it's great some people don't like it you know but you kind of figure out pretty quick who will give you an honest opinion and not just blow smoke and say no that match is terrible i'll never go back yeah um and then you'll ask them why and you're like it just was i can't give you a specific reason it just it was it was terrible i'm not going back so so that's how i judge it just looking around what looks interesting what fits my schedule um that type of thing and distance too i'm not a big flying person i don't like to fly that much so anything within driving distance eight hours or so eight to ten hours is about max travel distance for (laughs) driving Everybody's everybody's driving distance is so drastically different. <laughs> Jared's like, oh, that's five hours. That's that's out of driving distance. And then Jeremy's like, oh yeah, twenty-four hour drive. I can do that. I've done that five times. <laughs> My mine's about three hours. Like, I'm considering not going to two matches this year because they're three hours over three hours away. They're three and a half yeah. hours. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to both of them, but. Oklahoma and Arkansas, I'm thinking like, I'm probably not, I don't want to go. I don't want to drive that far. So, <laughs> Yeah. Eight, eight hours, eight hours is about 10 hours is pushing it. Um, been, went to one match last year, went to the Mississippi classic last year. Uh, and it was t- basically 10 hour drive from right. Tulsa. It wouldn't have been if you would have drove with me, but you had to make it hard. <laughs> We had a we had a big group going. We couldn't fit everybody into one. I oh, know y'all left y'all left behind dry. I see how y'all are. <laughs> um, oh, that's yeah. okay. At some point, you get too many people in the same vehicle, and it's that it goes the other way. It's no longer yeah yeah you know, and so. yeah. It would have been wouldn't have been too comfortable with a bunch of people in one vehicle, right? So, so. yeah, I agree. Eight or eight or nine hour drive is. That's, uh, that's a pretty good drive. That's what yeah. we went to the High Desert Classic, and that's about what it was. Yeah, that was it was pretty brutal on the way home. Oh yeah, you're beat down, you're tired, you want to yeah, just get driving home. back. Always the worst. Yeah, yeah, it was. It makes it better if you've got if you're going with some people um, versus doing it by yourself. I mean, driving. I, I hate. I just hate traveling. So I've traveled a lot in my life, and I'm not a big fan of it. So, anyways, so uh, Jeff, what, how many matches you shoot? this year, man? <laughs> right now, I've already had to cancel one. Uh, right now, nationals, <laughs> area four. <laughs> nationals area four. Because, <laughs> well, uh, you know, nationals is is further than I would like to go, but uh, I, I can make do with that one. But yeah, area four is an hour and fifteen minutes from my house, so. Even though I'll drive down there and get a room, but and I'm, I'll shoot Oklahoma and Arkansas as well. I'm sure. Uh, I would like to do another area match. Uh, I already had to camp back out on Area Six, 
but uh, and I'm not, I have no desire to go shoot Area Three from what I hear. So maybe looking. There was another one I wrote down. Uh, I want to say Area uh, Five, maybe. But, yeah, Area Three is pretty fun. I've only been once. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I had plans on going back this past year, but uh, like I said, due to family stuff came up, couldn't go. But I was gonna go. Uh, all the other guys that I would have went with said it was fun. They enjoyed did you it. Go, did you go the year of the pool noodles? No, I went the year after. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> the that year with the pool noodles and the, and those houses where you had to jump up on and all that stuff, um, that was. Um, did you take that snapshot, <laughs> Jeff? Okay. Yeah, I want. I wanted to get a nice bald snapshot. No, we don't need to, We don't need to share that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but um anyways yeah that one that year just it didn't look like fun and then it's kind of one of them deals where it's like oh no no last year was the to turn the wheel one way and you had to shoot three shots on the left side and then you had to turn the real wheel the other way and you only had to shoot you could only shoot two shots on the right side and once i saw that i was like no i don't i don't think i'm gonna do area three that reminds me too much of another sport another game and um that i've left that I had no desire to go back and, and, and go back to. So that's why. But what about Jeff? Jeff? What are you going to shoot? Yeah. What are you going to shoot, Jeff? Uh, I'm shooting nationals, shooting single stack and L10 nationals. And in the same trip, huh? You're going to do both of them. Yeah. Well, they're both one day standalone matches. So, mm. and uh, I'm going with Jeremy, and he's shooting L10, so I'm going to be there. So it's either watch him shoot or shoot it myself. Yeah, if you're going to be there, might as well shoot it. Yeah, so I'm going to shoot those. And then Oklahoma, Area 4, I'm going to shoot the Ozarks Classic because it's right before Nationals, and I want to get a major in before Nationals. Other than that, I'm not planning on going to anything else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any more questions for Chad as the shooter? As the shooter? Oh, yeah. We shooter, got... shooter, the Chad. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull that question up from Steve. It's a good one. Oh. All right. So I'm just going to read it because he, uh, he wrote it out real nice. It says... I've heard a few shooters refer to Chad as the majestic white rhino. <laughs> Is there a story behind that? Also, he's not a small guy, but moves awfully quick through courses of fire. Does he train for explosiveness? Let's talk about the first one. <laughs> uh, Mitch Gibson. That's all you got to say is Mitch Gibson. And all you have to say. Yeah. Uh, no, as, as far as training for shooting workout-wise, uh, I, I pretty much work out, you know, five days a week, lift, uh, squats, lunges. Um, I do some movement training and stuff, lateral movements, front sprints, you know, backwards, that type of stuff. I don't focus on it year-round, but I do add it into my workouts and, and do that type of thing. Um, my legs are pretty strong, so for the most part, so that's where most of the, you know, power doing lunges, squats, deadlifts, all those type of things, uh, help with that explosive movement, so. Uh, so you work out in the mornings? No, I hate morning workouts. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, work out I work out in the afternoons. I'm up early enough. I have to get up at around 4.15 every day to go to okay. work. Uh, so usually it's afternoon workouts for me. Hmm. I if I worked like out schedule. If I worked out in the morning, I'd be I'd be dead the whole day. Yeah. Cool. All right, we ready to jump into Chad the match director area 4 coordinator. Hashtag #not my director. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in, you're in area four. Yeah. 
All right. I've got a question. I'm gonna. I've wrote down some questions, and then we got some other questions that uh, we'll ask. So my first question is: Why does every stage have to be 32 rounds? Why, Chad? Why, when I go to a match, is every stage 32 rounds? It doesn't. If you go to you go to you come to my local matches, so you know all of our stages aren't 32 rounds. I know that. Uh, for for local matches, it's hard not to do a lot of 32 round courses especially at our range because due to the space that's available um you know other other ranges can use the whole seven eight bays whatever they have available uh we get five uh, at our range so we have usually have seven to eight stages so three big field courses uh and then four medium or small courses or you know we do four field courses and then two two smaller ones so it doesn't always have to be but to get the round count up yeah i mean if you want any, anything above 150 you have to have at least you know three 32 round courses yeah and that's what i thought it boiled down to is when you're doing these matches it's like there's not a set number that you absolutely have to do but people it, it's almost like the um the thought process is if you don't have a match, if you show up to a match, you drive an hour or two or more, even if it's a monthly match and it's a hundred rounds, people are not going to come. People are going to find it boring. And so they're, so you have to have like this 150 round, 160 round minimum. And, and yeah, you're like, you're saying when you do it with five bays and, and three of those are, you know, or two of those are doubled up stages. Then you have to have, you know, three 32 rounders just to get the round count up there. Yeah. Do you feel like it? It that kind of also carries over into level two and higher matches. That the round count is assumed. You got a ten stage uh, match for a level two. It's got to be three hundred rounds. It just seems like they're all two eighty to three hundred for a ten level ten stage match. Yeah. Now for local, my my set numbers like I want one hundred and sixty five rounds minimum. That's just sounds like it's a good number to make it worth people's time to come and shoot. Because like I said, if we have some people, you know, drive in over an hour, two hours away. If if the match that I'm going to go to that's an hour, two hours away, and I shoot 120 rounds or something like that, I'm not going to do that. I can go out and shoot that, you know, five minutes uh, at my home range and work on some drills, and I'll be done back home in an hour. So, uh that that's not my goal. That's not what I look forward to to go into a match. If it's going to be a match like that, I probably wouldn't go. Right. So it, I want it to be worth my time going. So I want other people to feel that way when they're coming to one of our matches um, to do that. But on if you're having a, a major match and you only have ten bays available, uh, you still got to get that round count up there. Because if you say, well, we're having a ten stage match, sectional or whatever round counts 200 people will be like uh not a lot of rounds doesn't sound like a very very fun match uh, so 250 285 for a 10 stage match is pretty pretty good with you know varying courses of fire so that's that's the way i look at it if you're gonna if you're gonna travel you got to make it worth worth the time for going and shooting so basically so you, it's you people you don't think people would come yeah. If you had a lower round count. No, if if we had a match every month that had 110 rounds or something like that, we would, you know, when, when I first started doing the match director stuff, we were only averaging about 25 people somewhere around there. Now we're up to about 55 on average. Uh, and I, I this is due to, you know, promotion and stuff like on Facebook and all that type of stuff, but also increasing the round count too. Before, I don't think, I don't remember it being that high. I think it was around that 125, 130-ish. So just bumping it up a little bit more, I, I think, makes a difference. Makes it worth, like I said, it makes it worth the time to me. Interesting. Well, your matches, the monthly matches are always fun. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're you, 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 everybody has a, their own flavor. So I would imagine if you went to someone, another uh, range, well, I mean, actually, great example is I, I'm very fortunate to live within two hours of really two good uh, clubs, uh, your 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 match and Fort Smith. Fort Smith is um, definitely got a thing. They like steel. So, you know, Jeff, Jeff and I shot one Sunday and I was there four plate racks on six stages. Yeah, I was there. 
Yeah, Chad was oh, there. Oh, yeah, you were there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we all that shot was... that one in, in between. So, great <laughs> match. And so they've got a flavor. You've got a flavor. And, um, yeah. But your matches yeah. are, are really good, and they're definitely worth a trip. I knew you uh, were there. I didn't I didn't know Jeff was there until I looked at the scores. So we showed up. Me and uh, my buddy showed up somewhat late. So by the time we walked over, everybody was breaking up into their squad. And then it was just like, oh, there we go. So. All right. Ready? Yeah, they, they like they like steel. I I'm, I'm tired of lifting steel, and we don't have a we don't have a four wheeler or a side by side or anything like that to drag it down in the base, uh, like old fort does. And our our steel at our range is heavy. Those poppers are heavy, and we set up seven or eight of them. It's like I don't want to lift anymore. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Just a second, I gotta. Plug my I like the I like it when y'all y'all set up. You'll have like uh it'll be like one or two random pieces of steel, you know, on yeah. on a stage. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know, I think that's I think that's kinda unique. It's like it kind of makes you almost forget about them. Which I think is yeah. cool. I've I've had some people say, Man, you don't have any steel in your match. And I said, We had six pieces of steel in in this month's match. How do you not remember six pieces of steel in, in you know seven stages? And they're like, there was really six. And then you're like, yeah, there were two yeah. on this one, two on that one. You know, if you if right. you spread them out, yeah, it's kind of like and it makes you slow down and aim a little bit a little bit harder. But yeah, uh, it's heavy lifting, man. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely uh, enjoyed I enjoyed the. Diversifications like going to different uh, different matches. It's like Oklahoma City's got their flavor, and then Tulsa, you guys have yours, and then uh, Old Fort. That was the first time I shot theirs, and it was definitely different than the other two. It was just, but yeah. you could tell they kind of had uh, a way that they set stages up. Like I'm sure if I went back there, it would be it would be similar to what I saw this time. It would be. Yeah. Everybody has their their flavor, their style, their you know little things that they like to have. So yeah, and that's great because you get to you get to basically practice something different, different places you go. Yeah. All right, so I've got some more questions, and um, these are kind of tiered, whereas like they kind of they're kind of leading me up to a big question. So the first question I'm going to ask is, um. How important are plaques? Plaques, like the wooden, yes, squares. Yeah. If your next match, you didn't, you basically at the end of it said, "Guys, we're not handing out plaques." How would that work out? What would would that be well received? I don't, I don't think it would. (laughs) So, so uh, yeah, area four, you know, coming up in September. If I was to say, hey, you guys come and shoot, thanks, see ya, that's not going to go over well. So uh, people thought. want people want recognition, I think, anyway. Um, you know, people want recognition for what they achieve, what they, what they work for. Right. Yeah. You know. All right, so next question. How important are prize tables? Same thing, area four, no prize table. How well would that go over? Uh, for a big match like that, if you had absolutely zero prizes or just eh, some random giveaway stuff. or So let me, okay, so here's the deal. Chad, you and I have talked about this a little bit. We've seen conversations on the internet about, I don't shoot it for fake wins. I don't shoot for prize table. If you're going to the matches trying to pay off your mortgage. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's comments like that where people are, are a little, they, they try to be, I don't know what they're trying to do. If they're trying to just seem extra cool on the internet. And so they're like, well, I don't, you know, I, and I'm like, well, that's you, man. You know, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But if someone else wants something or likes something, you know, Hey, don't, yeah. don't knock them. And so you and I were saying, you know, we're talking about prize tables and, and my, my understanding would be as if, People expect a prize table. They want a, a prize table, even if it's 
you know, they 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 get a thirty dollar cooler, you know. People right. look. The sport is what the sport is. It's a, there's a lot of people in the sport, and a lot of people are just doing this for fun. And to them, price table just adds to that. That's my opinion. That's my that's yeah. my observation. I, I I agree. Price the price table for majority of the people uh, add, adds adds something to the matches. Um, you know, if you go and say, "Hey, man, admit the match fee is just say 150 bucks." If I go, "Oh, I get this." you know, place pretty well, uh, get to walk to prize table fairly early. Um, some people hide some really good stuff at the, the back end of the prize table just for that reason. People not finishing well say, hey, thanks for still coming and shooting the match. And they pick something up cool. That person's more than likely going to come back next year and say, hey, man, this is what I got. And I finished, you know, 50 out of 80 people. Right. Um, right. So it. I think people like it. Um, at the sectional this past year, uh, it was our biz- biggest sectional, uh, biggest prize table that we've ever had. Uh, and people were seemed pretty stoked about it. Uh, I know Jason stuck around, walked the prize table. Like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew he was going to dive me out. I knew he was. Uh, I did. Well, he but, let us, yeah, he would let everybody walk and then everybody left. And he's like, all right. Uh, staff, y'all can. And I worked it, so he's like, y'all can walk it again. And then I think we walked it three times. And, yeah, uh, we had, we had a bunch of stuff, and I I told everybody, you know, um, I pretty much had a zero, almost a zero budget after that match. I mean, all the money went back to the match. There was not very much left at all. Uh, so there was everything on the prize table. Uh, and some people did. It was staff walked it. And then if you were still a competitor and you were hanging around, I said, hey, let's gather this stuff up, put it on the table, and you guys walk it again. So some people did. Some people walked it three times. Yeah. So. Well, I had a buddy that, that I think that was his first USPSA match. He, he's all like, man, I ain't, I'm ain't. i I'm coming back to that match. That match, He won a free entry into this year's. That was one thing he won off the prize table, I think. I think it was a prize table thing. Anyways, yeah. and so, yeah, it was – I think it, it's a, I think it's a big deal. I mean, for 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 getting people there, keeping people coming back, um, you know, I think it's I think it's something that adds to the fun, uh, especially if you're lucky enough to win a gun, you know. Yeah. Or yeah. even some like you know. Anyways. Yeah. For there there used to single stack nationals when it was in Barry, Illinois. They that was a match that always you knew, the top whatever 15 guys 10 15 guys are going to get guns and that's it there's no prize table no nothing it it was it was a single stack dedicated match so that's what everybody wanted to go shoot i mean there used to be 250 plus i think shooters there somewhere around there Uh, i don't know the exact numbers uh but it was a high attended match and everybody went there all the top guys shot it everybody went there and you knew i mean i went there five years in a row, I think, or four years in a row, knowing that I wasn't going to win a gun, but it was a dedicated match to single stack. So it was something unique and something that only happened, you know, once a year. There wasn't any hardly any other matches that did just single stack only that was really, you know, hyped up like that and you had everybody else going to it. So there are those matches that do happen like that that don't have prize tables for the majority of people, and those are good, but they're unique matches. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Let's see what the next one is. All right. So, um, what's the number one rule or issue in the sport that you change? You don't have to pick anything if there's nothing, but I just, if there's a list of crap that you would like to change, popper calibration, uh, I don't know, anything. P- killing PCC. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ian would kill me. <laughs> uh, popper calibration, I think, w- would be be one to look at. That's because I've I've been hosed a couple of times. Last year, I had a pretty decent run. You were with us at Mississippi Classic. I had a pretty good run on the stage. Nailed a popper in the you know right half of the popper in the scoring zone 
you know, dead center, just on the right half, um, or, you know, dead center height-wise, uh, just on the right side of it, didn't fall, didn't even budge, you know, and got, yeah. and got screwed. And, of course, the, the RM comes and shoots it, and it falls. And it's like, dude, that's a full hit just off of the very center of the target right in the middle, and it didn't fall. Why did that popper not fall? You know, something like that. It's like if it's a full hit right in the circle, to me, it's like you need to need to rethink that because it yeah. screws a lot of people. Well, not only that, it, you, when you hear the scenario or the process for cal- challenging the calibration, once somebody tells you that, like when you're new to the sport and you te- somebody tells you that, I, I imagine that you – I don't remember how I first thought about it when I first heard it, but you, I can imagine if I told someone that didn't know the sport, they would look at me kind of like I was like, are you serious? So I shot it. It didn't go down. And now you're going to go over there and shoot it. Right. And like, what happens most time? They would ask me, what happens most time when, when that happens? Well, it goes down the second shot. Yeah, you know, shit. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why. Cause it's already been shot once, right? It's just barely yeah. standing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah. I'd like to see that one change. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a lot of people get hosed on that. What I mean by is you're not getting, uh, I, I, as soon as I say this, somebody is probably going to disagree with it, but, and maybe I'm wrong, but you're not getting 30% of the the shooters getting hosed by it. I mean, you're probably getting 10% uh, yeah, at, at, at a, you know what I mean? So yeah, probably not, not even that. Exactly. But. However, if you get screwed, it screws you hard and it's, it takes that stage for you, you know? Yeah especially at a big match when you're competing for something or, you know, I've seen Max Michelle get hosed doing it. And of course he still won the match, probably still won that stage. And this was, you know, this was like uh, two years ago at Oklahoma section. Right. And, uh, but I mean, if he was at nationals, I guarantee you that would have been a different story. You know, he would, it would, he probably wouldn't have won that stage um, or could have very easily, you know, lost it to somebody that's nipping at his heels. So, and not everybody, even if you're not Max Michelle and you're not in for the running, you still don't want to get screwed over. So it's still, but what would they do? That's the thing, you know, because then you're going to have people go, no, 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 they're going to edge it. And they're going to go, no, that's a full diamond or hit. Right. And so then you're going to have to, what are you going to do for that? How are you going to, uh, you know, arbitrate that? How are you going to um, talk, you know, uh, overlay that? And it's like, I still think that's better. I to- I think if it's hit at all, it's a reshoot. It doesn't happen that much, so let's just reshoot it. It's that simple. Yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting to look at to see what you know, see what's been talked about for you know, not calibration, but for that issue. Yeah. But again, in the grand scheme of things, for the most part, most of the props work fairly well. Yeah. I mean, they do. So okay. Um should limited tin and revolver be axed? <laughs> uh, let's ask Jeff after he tries to win L10. Yeah, I def- I'm going to ask Jeff after we get done answering. <laughs> I want to know what Jeff thinks. Because I don't know that we've talked about that on this show. I think uh, I think revolver should stay. It's not hurting anybody. Well, neither and, is L10. Yeah, L10 is useless. Like revolver, revolver is not useless. No, because you can go shoot revolvers. L10, you can take that gun and go shoot something else. You know. Yeah. I mean, I get that nobody shoots it, but it's not hurting anybody. It's revolver. It's kind of unique. I wouldn't. I would mind keeping a revolver. I'm. I might even shoot it someday. You are. You are a boomer. <laughs> All right. Let Chad, me pitch. Man. Let me pitch this to you, Chad. This is my million dollar oh, idea. He didn't answer. I want to know what he's. What he thinks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. So what actually happens is we keep L10, but we can call it something else or call it L10. Doesn't matter. L11. L11. Yeah. Next. No. Anyway, so it's a division. You keep the round count of single stack. So you got eight round major, ten round minor. 
but you can shoot any gun. So it's like L10. All the single stacks are still relevant because they fit the round count. But you can also add in whatever uh, people can shoot their built-up L10 guns in it. You know? So nobody loses. Nobody loses. Like The single stacks are relevant. The people that stupidly built L10 guns are still relevant. Boom. You can call it. What about it. limited guns? They stay in limited. Well, you said you could shoot anything. I mean, they could load them up to 10 and come shoot. That's what I'm saying. So I could, you could, people are shooting L10 are shooting what guns? They're shooting single stacks with, with extended magazines and they're shooting, they're limited guns that with, yeah. with 10 rounds. Yeah. Okay. 10 rounds. Yeah. So keep, you're basically saying keep L10 exactly like it is now, except go to the mag capacity for major single and stack. minor single stack. Yeah. And what that does is it keeps the classic 1911 relevant. And that's going to kill off single stack. I don't think so. Yeah. Too many people like single stack. They like 1911s. I do like shooting single stack. That's fine. Have you ever shot single stack, Jason? No. I want to. I'm I'm looking for a single stack gun right now. Yeah. It's it's fun. All right. Next question. What about this? We do limited, but with minor. <laughs> minor only no we do a limited minor and a limited major oh and two different divisions that's what we need is to, to, to do this right we need to change up anyways okay that was a joke kind of I, think <laughs> I, it was fun, though. I actually <laughs> I like it joke. Yeah. okay um, alright so what would it what would you what don't people know about putting on matches? If you could slap somebody upside the head and say, I wish you understood this part about it, these five parts about it, what would that be? Because, you know, everybody's quick to bitch and, and oh, gripe, yeah. right? So Everybody's a critic. Yeah, everybody's a critic, man. And yeah, if I they knew, it. you know, once you start doing something and you go through it, and you're like, holy crap, I didn't realize there was that much to it. Maybe I won't, won't gripe about it so much. Maybe. I got, I got a follow-up question to this, too. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. Number one thing is people don't realize, even just for a, a local match, how much work goes into designing the stages, setting the stages up, making sure the targets are, are correct, making sure the targets are the right height. You're not shooting over the berm. You know, um, you're not breaking. You don't have targets past the 180. Or, or anything like that. It's not visible from a different spot, you know, that you can see it past the 180. Um, all that stuff and, and setting up stages, uh, designing the stages, figuring out what you're going to shoot, you know, how the flow of the match is going to go. Short stages, where do you put your short stages in the match versus the big stages? Where do you put your movers, all that type of stuff. Um, people don't realize how much work goes into that unless they actually do it. So that's that's the big thing. So basically, the lesson of that is next time you want to gripe about this stage is no good, get off your yep. go get design off some stages. Your, get off your butt, design some stages, come out and help, set up, yeah. show us what to do. I imagine designing stages is like um, doing anything when you first start at it. You're really really awful at it. Yes, yeah. I, I looking back, like I have a. Like, I'll think of something, you know, and design it on the computer, um, set it, you know, everything looks great on the computer, by the way. Right. <laughs> All this, it's like, oh, yeah, that'll work. That'll be, that'll be badass. We, we can do that. Then you get out there and you start putting it on your ground and you're like, that's not even close to being what I got on paper. It just, the angles don't work. You know, a, a target's visible from five different spots um, when you only want it visible from one section uh, type of thing. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's, it takes a lot of work and you, and you got to think about those things and it's more than anything. When I first started, I was like, oh man, that'll be, that'll be fun. And now I look back at the stages that I designed five years ago compared to the ones that we do now. And I'm like, oh man, that's terrible. Why did we ever do that? <laughs> so it's just experience getting out there and doing it. 
So, and I think you even said too, when you, cause you worked the sectional this past year about how much work it is being yes. just from being a shooter to actually being part of the staff and, and yeah. work and it's helping and all that type of stuff. It's two totally different ball games. Yeah. So I'll, I'll comment on that real quick. I, um, I did not help set up. So I got there, shot the, uh, we shot the match and, and, um, and I had to RO and shoot the match in the same day for the, for my squad. Cause we had a, uh, it was a Thursday, it was a Friday squad. Then Saturday, I just worked the match as everybody else came through it. Well, after everything was done, I helped break down on Saturday. And I remember just thinking, wow, like there's a lot of stuff here um, of breaking down the stages, which everybody's probably broke down stages, but I would see all the stuff that was going in and out between you and everybody else, uh, the staff about, Hey, this prop is broke, you know, and our, our, you know, and, and then we need new targets on this one. And yeah, so there's just, I can't give very many more specifics. It's been a while, but there was a lot more than I thought. Or I, I, I there was just a lot. And I was, I was surprised and kind of, when you started appreciating the people that put the matches on because, you know, when you have a really good match, somebody put in a shit ton of work. I think I asked you, I said, when did you start this? And you're like, basically after last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you have to start chasing down sponsors. You have to start chasing down, you know, staff or and then designing stages and then coordinating with the range and all that crap. And and um, yeah. there's a lot of work to it. And, and yeah. so anyone that's done it knows anyone that's seen it knows a little bit about it. You know, they've seen a little more than the average person. And, um, yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Some people think, Oh, just all you got to do is set the stages up and it'll work itself out. It's like, no, no, it won't. <laughs> right. Cause things happen. And then you got to adjust on the fly, you know, uh, somebody gets hurt or, you know, people somebody you you're dealing with that people arbitrate a stage or you know complain about a stage you got to talk to them about it and you know it's you one a, it's one after the other yeah it really is you have a um one of the staff members drive one of the golf carts into one of the canopies uh <laughs> <laughs> chad knows what i'm talking about so does somebody else that's listening they know who they are um <laughs> Another thing I learned, it, it, this was interesting. So uh, as I was ROing the stage, I seen things from shooters that I don't know. I guess it surprised me. You you get hot, you get you get people that are hot, tired, pissed off, and then you go and let them shoot a gun, and something doesn't go their way, and you you really see a lot um, of people show you their not best side. And I'm not critic I'm not like saying that that they're not good people, but the it's very easy for someone to get um pissed off at you very quickly and and, and they're they're just upset and they're hot and they're trying to do good and all that stuff. And so you kinda like give them a break and everything. But like I had one guy on a stage and he shot the popper. He shot it, shot it again, turned around and looks at me and screams this is range equipment malfunction. And so I'm sitting there debating, what do I, what do I do? Do I say something to this guy? Cause I don't really want to, inter I'm not trying to interfere. So I stand there for what seems like 10 seconds. Don't do not say nothing to him. And he's staring me and I, and so I finally like, okay, I'm going to end this. I was like, I was like, sir, you're not hitting it in the calibration zone. Or I was like, I think he, no, I said, I said, you're edging it. I said, you're just edging it low. And he turns around and looks, and he turns back around and he goes, "Sorry." And he turns back around, and shoots the stage. I have comes up not to, heard. That. That's comes funny. up to me, comes up to me, apologizes, and I said, "Look, man, no, I get it. You're you're mad. You're thinking you're getting screwed on something. I, I really do get it, and and I'm not mad at you, and I understand. I, I just thought it was funny. So, and then you know you get people. That's pretty good. You get people that want to challenge calls nonstop. Something I've seen. I've seen I've seen a lot of this. No, Jeff, it's not what you think. Um, I see people have a mic called, and then they go, "Well, I want an overlay, right?" right. And so when I have a mic called, which doesn't happen a lot, but it, you know, it still happens probably more than I like it to. I go, "Okay, what was going on? Did I yank? Did I did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do that? And did I really miss?" And if I think if I look at that hole and I think that hole 
is two holes, two bullets, I, I'll call for an overlay, right? But these people that aren't doing that. They're calling for an overlay in the hopes, in the wild 100, you know, our point zero 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 one chance that somehow the RO is going to look at that and go, oh, no, that's a double, right? right? So that's something I've also seen a lot of that I thought was kind of, I was like, you know, you know, that's not a double and you know, you can't sit there and say that you, I mean, I, I just feel like you know what you're doing here and you're just hoping that you get a call so you don't get a mic. Yeah. So I saw a lot of that too. But I'd always pull it, pull it out and say, hey, yeah, I'll overlay it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they ask for it, get it out, overlay it. Look it at it. I don't care. Uh, Jeff, what was your follow-up question? Uh, follow-up question. I've been thinking about it. I'm not sure it's totally askable, but I'm going to go for it. Um, so, like, what are the most difficult genre of competitor to deal with as far as uh, like asking, like Jason said, asking for doubles, or uh, if it's, if they don't think the prize table is competent, or they think they should have got a plaque, whatever. The ones that throw the most fits and cause the most issues. Is there a type, or is it just better. people like Jason? Or not? Uh, say you better not say me. Oh. <laughs> uh. There, there is a type, um, but it, it's all types, really. You, you see, you know, like, I don't even know who the guy was. Like it says, first time I heard it about your popper story. But even the guys that aren't really competitive are going to be real competitive when it comes about their score. This guy but, was nowhere near competitive at all. Let me tell you, yeah. he, he's exactly what you're talking about. There was no, there was no... He was competing for not last place. Right. But, yeah, so there's it, there's all types. You know, guys at the top that are going to call for doubles all the time. Um, and the middle class guy that's going to say the same thing, an edge hit, no, that touches the perf, whatever. There, There's all kinds of different types. But you'd be surprised at the, at the amount of people that do it, and you don't realize it until you work the match. Because all you're seeing when you're shooting is your squad, and most of the time you're shooting with your buddies, and you're like, "Dude, it's a miss. Take your freaking miss and go on." Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get into some questions we had real quick on the uh, on the Facebook page. I'm gonna read um, this one first. What would you say is your hierarchy of stage building? Did you read these questions, Chad? I did, yeah. I saw him. Yeah, so the... Saint it. The design of importance <laughs> when designing and how it, it, how you incorporate each stage of the overall match. So that was Matt's question. Yeah. Um, how I design stages. Uh, basically, what I think will be fun. Something that I want to shoot. Uh Nothing in particular. I like I like movement. I don't like a lot of short movement stuff. I like to, you know, Work in five, six, yeah, five or six steps. You know, moving to get to the next spot, uh, that type of thing. In in all of our monthly matches, and even in the sectionals, sectionals and stuff, I'll do um, some fast stages. Add those in, you know, pretty simple stuff. Our local matches, especially, you know, we do this, the the fast stages where it's four targets here, three targets here, two targets at the front, but it's all flowing. So stuff that flows where there's not a lot of hangups, uh, you got to look at some of the stages you design and you got to realize where's the, where's the slow point in the stage. So anything that has a mover on it is, of course, is going to be your slow point in the stage. But any piece of steel, like Jeff was talking earlier, when we usually put those couple, just a couple pieces of steel on a stage, then, you know, they're 10, 15, 20 yards out. You put a, a small, uh, small popper at 20 yards, a lot of people are going to struggle to hit it. So even if you're just doing a normal stage design with no movers, you got to go, okay, this piece of steel is going to give a lot of people problems just because of the distance. So you got to factor that in when you're designing stages and then putting them on the ground, how you're going to lay them out. 
at like an order where you're going to put your slow stages, where you're going to put your fast stages and all that type of stuff. A lot of people don't think the two stages per one bay works, but it does work if you get the stages right. You can't have any technical, real technical stuff that takes a long time to reset or anything. You got to make it, make it flow, make it quick. And you got to do it for both of them, not just one. Uh, and that usually goes pretty well. But uh, that's the basic way I look at it is just making sure that it's something that's going to be fun. Something that's I'm one on. Uh, I like low ports and stuff like that. So you got to look at look at the low ports. Majority of the people can get down there and, and, and get it, but you can't make it too low where it's going to make people go prone because then that's going to take up a lot more time on stage. Uh, so things like that, you just got to look at your stages and make sure that one point's not going to bog down a whole match because you get that and it's people complain and gripe and it, and it kills the flow of the match too. It does. So. Mm-hmm. And then the the last part of that question about the like uh, basically the match flow like how do you how do you decide like how many of this type of stage or do you have a a plan on like oh I'm gonna do three three longs two mediums and a short or anything like that like for a whole match do you have like a big picture that you try to to fit the match into? Uh. Yeah, I try to I try to do it so it's not thirty two rounds, thirty two rounds, thirty two rounds, thirty two rounds, that type of thing. So you know you can go from thirty two rounds to twenty six, back to twenty eight, twenty nine, and then throw in a couple of short courses where you're like sixteen and eighteen per, um, like that. So it's you know <clears throat> sixteen, twelve, or whatever it is uh, makes up about thirty rounds total between the two, somewhere around there. Um, then go back to the next course and make it a, a medium-ish or a medium-long course. Um, so it's still kind of still kind of quick, and you're not going to bog down because those fast stages should go pretty fast. Um, usually I put <clears throat> our more experienced ROs on those stages because they know how to keep the flow going, and they don't let people sit there and take five minutes per short stage walkthroughs. It's five minutes you know, two small stages is no big deal. Do your yeah. walk through, get done. Um, so having ROs, having staff that knows how to get those people on track and keep them on track, that's a that's a big thing too. Uh, but you can't have a big stage after that that's real complicated because then those, those people are going to shoot that fast stage and then they're going to go sit and wait on that long stage and that's where your, your, your slowdown is going to be. So yeah. you, you just got to look at it that way. Hey, I, I want to ask a question before I, this is a kind of, a, you just said something and I want to ask this question and then get back on another question. But um, the, the walkthrough times, you know, we see these matches where like at level twos, it sees, it seems to be, it's, it's always four minutes instead of five minutes. How much time does that one extra minute per stage walkthrough save? There's a 10 stage match just for easy, easy numbers here. Yeah. The four to five minutes, I don't I don't know if it makes a big difference, honestly, of, through the whole. I don't remember what we did for the sectional. I don't know if we did four or five minutes. I'm sure it was I four. I, yeah, it seems like every level two is always four or less. For instance, if there's 10 stages and you cut off a minute per stage walkthrough, that seems to me like, unless I'm just not understanding it, which is very possible... It just seems like you just saved 10 minutes over the entire match. Not 10 minutes per squad multiplied how many squads. You just saved right. the match. The match just got done 10 minutes faster. Now, I get it. 10 minutes is 10 minutes, especially when you're trying to – you want to get done with the match. But I've always wondered that. I was like, why are we doing this? This uh, this doesn't really seem to save a lot of time. And again, unless I just don't understand math, which I don't. So. <laughs> I hate math. I hate math. So I'm not wrong on that, or am I? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, you look at it, 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 a 10-stage match, just take so a Saturday a match, you have 10 stages, you give a four-minute walkthrough, that's um, 10 minutes. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I mean, over over the course of, uh, of a three-day match. I'm confused. 
Yeah, he is. Huh? Jeff, you disagree? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I zoned out when y'all started yeah. talking about math. Okay. All right, so back on track. One more thing about the uh, the design of your stages. Do you ever <laughs> consider um, – do you feel that your stage design reflects that you're shooting production or that it reflects that, oh, I'm, now I'm shooting carry optics? Because it seems like – I've shot some matches where it seems like I'll say, who designed this? And they'll say that person, and that person shoots limited. I'm going, yeah. Like, do you not see that you're making all these production people do a freaking standing re- – like three standing reloads? Because, you know, in limited, you don't, you wouldn't have to do that. And so do you ever consider that when you're kind of designing? Or are you just design, you just kind of, it's organic, so to speak, and it just kind of flows, flows out yeah. of you and how, whatever ends up, ends up. It, it just, I look at it to where you don't have more than eight shots per area, but then there's no more than 12 per. So if you have eight, and then you can pick up 9, 10, 11, 12, so two more targets and not really have to move. That's not that bad a stage design because usually you can have three to four paces or three to four steps for another guy to move to, and then he can pick up four targets from that spot. Instead of staying where he's put, it takes it two there, and then the guy goes, runs over, and then takes two there and then goes on, kind of shoot him on the move. You have a production guy that can reload and go to that spot and pick up all four and then reload again and move. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't like I don't like courses and I I've seen videos and stuff where you can shoot like sixteen to eighteen rounds from one spot and you're like right. you're killing everybody that's not shooting limited or open or PCC. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, although you are shooting, you're shooting for your division. So that's it. So it really, it, it shouldn't matter, but it, it right. Everybody Everybody always it. It. I get all that, in it, but it's still, it just doesn't seem to make it fun. I don't think. Yeah. Jeff. Huh? Oh, look like you had something to say. No, I think that's good. I mean, it, it sounds like that he designs them with, both in mind if you know there's no more than eight per position but if you do have the capacity you might be able to pick up two positions from one spot yeah i mean it, it blend in three like positions from two spots chad say that again or condensed like three positions down to two spots yeah yeah some, some sometimes you can yeah but but not all the time. I try to make it like I said. I try to make it fair across everybody's division. Um, that, that everybody's terrible. Yeah. 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 And like I, mean, I said, if you happen to be able to take a you know take a lean out or something and pick up two targets from from an area, that's not that big a deal. But if I look at it and go, dang, you can see all four of these from this spot too. Well, I'm gonna throw a barrel in there or something to block it so that, okay, now you can only pick up one extra target from that spot, but not all four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I like it. I actually never thought of that, like that specific strategy of designing a stage, which I've never designed any stages. So that would be why. Yeah. Yeah. I like I said, everything always looks good on paper and you're like, Oh, that'll be great. And then you get out there and you put it on the ground. You're like, crap, you can see 15 targets from this one spot. And so right. then you're like, well, let's add in another wall here or let's go grab a couple of double stack barrels and put those here just to block views. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, happens happens every month. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so I think this is going to be our last question. Um, did you read Joel's question? Uh, about nationals? Yeah. So is having Nationals hosted in Tulsa a possibility in the future? Anything's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it 2021 just, uh, Nationals, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I just, I, I know how the... You know what? It's, it's going to have to be worth their time to right. hold the match i mean it is it's it's a it's a business it's not it's not a it's a for-profit range 
you know right so it's not it's not a 503c or anything there to make money so you know it's got to be it's got to be worth their time to do it um i, I think it could happen it would it just it would take somebody to to go to him and sit down and talk to him and, and work it out so cool okay yeah Hmm. Um, Jeff, any more questions? Uh, no, I think that's all. I think that's all we have. Oh, Chad and I were talking. I wanted to bring this up. Chad and I were talking the other day, and he said a couple things that I, I didn't bring up. He he does hate PCC, and oh, that right. area area four. Do you want to talk about that, Chad? How about you hate PCC? Uh, no. <laughs> Chad, okay, that's a complete joke. I'm totally joking. Chad never said that. But Chad did say that this year at Area 4, um, speaking of prize tables, that everybody that shows up for the match should walk away with $500. So, All right. Dang. At <laughs> least. Deal. At least. Good deal. What What are the match fees again for that one now? Um, $400 a piece? Yep. Uh, they're going to have to be more than five hundred dollars a piece. So, yeah. Uh, now the match is so we're going to have uh, it's at Oldport in, in Van Buren, Arkansas, uh, September seventeenth through the twentieth. Uh, match fee is one hundred and eighty-five, and I was going to do money order or check only, but I've had some people, you know email me and message me saying that they will pay the stripe fee, which is, you know, 3%, I think it's 3% plus 30 cents per transaction. Um, so they were like, man, I'll pay the stripe fee, you know, just so you get the right amount for the match fee. Uh, cause people don't realize you, you know, you charge $185 and then it's a 3% fee. Um, and then you get 250 people. You're giving up a lot of money to yeah. the credit card company. To process that and so what we're trying to do this year is actually hire you know six seven eight guys to help set up and tear down so make it worth their while because that's that's a lot of labor man it's a lot of work uh the match is thursday through sunday uh i'll be there probably monday afternoon um and you know setup's gonna be monday afternoon Tuesday, especially starting Tuesday until Wednesday till we're done. Uh, so, you know, it takes, a, it takes a lot of work to do that and getting people to volunteer to come out and bust their butt is, is pretty not difficult because you do have some great people that that'll do it every month, especially at Arkansas. Um, but yeah, they do. kind of make it worth their while a little bit to get them to come out and help and set up and tear down. Tear down is the hardest part because everybody's tired and everybody's wanting to leave. Uh, so getting everything tore down and put back up is going to be a big one. So doing the check and money order only, you know, we get to save at least a thousand dollars to try to put forth, pay those guys a little bit uh, yeah. for help set up, tear down. So, nice. well, so you're, I'm not, are you, not sure. yeah, that may that, that may not be something we want to talk about, but it's like, are people wanting to pay it so they can instantly squad? No, just because some people say they don't, you know, don't use checks anymore. Okay. So okay. And they they don't want to take the time to go get a, a money order and and mail it. So, which I understand. I mean, it's yeah. some people it can't be a burden and that type of thing. But uh, there's also other things you got to look at when accepting <clears throat> credit card payments and stuff like that. So, um, uh, thinking yeah. about thinking about doing it but i'm not 100 percent sure what the final verdict is going to be and registration doesn't open until march 1st so i still got you know another full month uh, a little longer to decide what we're going to do with that but, do you uh do you have anything else worked out for the match like uh is it a two-day match or do you know how many stages or anything uh so far we're planning on at least 13 stages um 13 to 14 so there are going to be a couple of the smaller stages, like two stages on one bay thing type thing. Yeah. So there are going to be some of those. Um, <clears throat> should have a pretty good, um, should have a pretty awesome prize table. We've already got um, six or seven sponsors in already um, <clears throat> that are 
division sponsors. So they're going to be helping us, helping us out a lot and doing a lot of that stuff. So it'll be, it'll be a really good match. Um, and we'll get some good prizes for everybody. Uh, round count should be 300, 325, somewhere around there. So. Cool. So it'll be fun. It'll be, be a good time. Hopefully it won't be, you know, mid-September. Usually it's not that bad. This past year it was miserable hot. Oh, God. Um, <coughs> but hopefully it won't be that bad this year. Hopefully it'll be back to normal like in the mid-80s. So. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. To everybody listening, if you haven't shot uh, a match that Chad is involved in, you're missing out because he does a great job putting on matches. Uh, so you should mail a money order in and sign up for Area 4. Or write a check. Yeah, write a check. Or just send cash. <laughs> in pennies. <laughs> Do not. You get $185 worth of pennies and send them to Chad. Yeah. That'd be funny. Yeah. That'd be funny if you get like two guys, a couple guys do that. That'd be hilarious. I know. And then I'm going to send them to you and tell you to roll them. <laughs> roll them. Gosh. All right. I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. Chad? Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for coming on, Chad. Yeah. Thank you, Chad. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for so, having me. All right, everyone. Hope uh, you found this interesting. So if not, yeah. blame Chad. Chad. Chat, the Hashtag not my director. Hashtag not my director. Um, <laughs> all right. Remember, if you get tired, take a break. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>